Hello and welcome to the Hellas Football Podcast. I'm your host Stephen and joining me today is a very special guest. Who are you, special guest? Hi Stephen, uh, my name's Alec, um, freelance sports journalist um, and uh, I'm a big Greek football fan. So uh, yeah, excited to be making my debut today. Well, it's very nice to have you on the show. And as you said, Alec, you're a massive fan of Greek football, even though obviously you don't have any Greek football, uh, Greek heritage, which, you know, nothing wrong with that. But it's it's, it's nice to have someone else come on the podcast, have a chat with me about all the things that happen in Greek football, because there's there's a lot. There's a lot mm-hmm. of good and there's a well, there's a, there's a, I guess we have to start um, with with the sad with the sad. So obviously, um, normally we would at the beginning of the episode, we'd discuss the European fixtures because um, all Greek clubs sort of started Europe at this point uh, in the qualifiers. But unfortunately, Ike's game against Dynamo Zagreb was cancelled because um, there was an, a, a, a serious incident that occurred just the day before in front of the Ajax Aya Sofia Stadium. Um, Michalis Gatsouris was fatally stabbed um, and, uh, and died of his injuries. Um, 102 uh, people have been put have been detained. So it, it, you know the, the the authorities have have dealt with it. Uh, eventually, you know this is a this is something that's been a serious oversight from not only the the Greek police but also from UEFA as well because it's it's horrible that this this sort of thing happened. And then there's been rumors flying about of you know these ultras joined these ultras to fight these ultras, and and then more people have been, have been reported coming into the country claiming to be football fans, but they've been found with weapons, and that's really. It's really horrible that Greek football is still being tainted by this because there's um, unfortunately Michalis isn't the first to have died because of football, and so we 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 at Hellas Football send our condolences to his family and and hopefully you know whoever did this to him was brought to justice because it's it's a really horrible thing to happen to anyone um, any anyone's family so condolences to them. Um, and while it's by far the least important thing that's happened, uh, that um, uh, part of this story, Ayak, their game was postponed. They will play the, 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 the first leg as it would have been in the second leg, whereby they will play in Croatia and then play again in, in Athens in the second leg. But yes, uh, you, you, you um, Alec, are an Ayak fan. So this is obviously mm-hmm. a really horrible thing to happen to, to in, the, in the fan base as well. Yeah, it's... Uh... I, I want to say it was, well, it was avoidable because everybody knew that there, there were Croatian fans coming to, to Athens the night before. I mean, the, the fact that I knew, I knew back here, like here in London, I saw on Twitter videos of of cars driving into um, into Athens. I, I think it's, that is a massive failure of the authorities not to have a, a, a significant police presence around the ground. Especially since I think um, Dynamo Zagreb were, was training at the the stadium that night, uh, and and then not to deal with it in in a certain way, I, I, I it's so it's so tragic because okay, fine, a, a lot of supporters feel a lot of passion for their clubs, but there is no need and there is no reason to be bringing knives out anywhere. Um, okay, you you want to maybe have a, a a bit of a a fight or whatever. That that is a problem that needs to be dealt with at source, but. To bring a knife, to bring something that that could seriously injure and kill and has killed someone is is totally unforgivable. It makes you a coward because you're not, you know, um, you don't feel safe enough to fight with your your bare hands or whatever. I, I think I think that's the the most despicable part of all of this. Um, and and yeah, like you said, the rumors of other ultras joining in to to help is 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 clearly 
I mean, um, it, it should be condemned, really, all of it. I, there, there's not much else to say. The, to, to kind of talk about the football a bit, though, um, weirdly, it, it means now that the team talk writes itself for, for Mateus Almeida. Um, he, he can just put a, a picture of uh, Michalis up on the wall and say, you fight for him tonight. And um, I, I think if, if the players weren't already up for this match, they will be now. And um, I imagine in the the second leg, when it comes to the OPAP arena, it's going to be, I mean, the, the stadium is going to be on a different planet in terms of the fans and the atmosphere and the the, the flares and everything. It's um, If it wasn't going to be a hostile atmosphere already, it, it certainly will be now. So um, I fully expect, as I did before, I fully expect AEK to go through. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 even though Dynamo Zagreb are a very tough opponent, you'd you'd probably think so too for Ajax, especially with this extra motivation. Which you know, sadly that 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 motivation shouldn't be there in that sense. But yeah, and I, I think it's just the the it's like the lack of, the lack of awareness of the police, but also UEFA, like like we said as well, because I saw today that fans were protesting outside of their headquarters, um, and just. I, I don't understand how they've been so lapsed in their judgment of of these traveling fans. Because yes, you can't anticipate this sort of violence to occur, um, but th- something had to have been done. There had to be something that that could have prevented this. But it's some like we said, sadly, someone else has, has sadly fallen in in the breath of something that is ultimately it's just a game, a trivial game of football, which doesn't really impact people's lives. But <clears throat> because of this. It has impacted a family, and 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 that's a horrible thing to uh, to to talk about in general. Um, but yeah, look, like we said, condolences to Michaelis family, and uh, we hope that whoever did this horrible thing is brought to justice. So I guess now we can move on to the slightly more positive. The um, because Alec, all the Greek teams did really well in Europe <laughs> who did play last week. So if we start with Bathanagos. Uh, we, me and me and Nick, who were on the podcast last week, he's a Banthanagos fan. We 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 talked about this game being a free hit for for them. The fact that um, you know ultimately Marseille is a very difficult opponent for any any club uh, relative level to face, um, and they're guaranteed Europa League group stages no matter what, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But they got a one nil win against Marseille at Leo Foros. Bernard scoring the the single goal to give them a huge win. And it's also huge for the coefficient as well, isn't it? Because mm. um, the French, who are already out of the top five leagues, as it stands, are going to sink even lower. So what, what was your take on seeing this rather surprising result? I, I was shocked. I, I watched the whole match and I I couldn't I couldn't believe that this was Olympic Marseille that had turned up to Leo Forest. I thought it was a completely different team. They looked shocking, but by the same token, I think Panathinaikos made them look shocking. Um, I, I don't know whether it, it, you could put it down to complacency from Marseille. I mean, the last time Panathinaikos were in a, a group stage of the Champions League was back in 2011. Now, the only player in Marseille's squad who would have been playing regular football at that time would have been probably Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, maybe they just thought this is a, a small-time team from Greece. Maybe they didn't know that they've been to a European Cup final before. <laughs> maybe they, they just expected to, to rock up and, and get an easy 2-0 win. But Panathinaikos didn't let them. They they were fantastic, I have to say. Um, even as an AK fan, I was watching it really. And they deserved to win probably by more, I think, looking at the XG, looking at the, the possession, the passing stats. Um 
and it's it's very worrying for Marseille because they they then went on last weekend to to win against um, Rams in in Liga, um, but that wasn't convincing either. Um, they won two one, but. I think if you if you watch the highlights and you look at the statistics there, I think they were lucky to win uh, that match as well. Obviously, they've got a new coach in Marcelino. Um, but on the Panathinaikos side, I think, uh, well, especially I was impressed by the the, the defence. Um, and, and this is something that impressed me across the Greek teams as well. If you look at, I believe every team in last, last week kept a clean sheet, right? Yeah, they did. Um, I mean, that's incredible really when you think about what what kind of state greek clubs were in last season i mean i i looked it up i looked up the statistics about how many goals had been conceded at this stage last season in um, uh, european qualifiers and um it was 11 Uh, greek clubs had conceded 11 goals by this stage we've conceded four um at this time around i think in total last season just in qualifiers including playoff matches we conceded 23 goals um no. and uh, and a whole week without conceding one is 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 just miraculous i think but i think it points to something i mean we all know that panathinaikos have a great defense you look at them last season they had the best defense in the league um possibly bar ak um i think at least halfway through the season they were mm. Um, probably the best team in terms of defence. Um, let's just hope that this continues. They're going to have a really tough test, though, um, this this Tuesday. Tomorrow, in fact, yeah. Or today, yeah. depending on when you're listening to it. Um, uh, at the Orange Velodrome, Marseille uh, uh, now know the, what they're actually up against. And they're not going to be taking it lightly. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I mean, Godspeed to, to Panathinaikos tomorrow. Yeah, and and, and look... If they can get a result of any kind away to Marseille, that's huge. And I, I um, and you know, they still have a playoff to go before reaching the Champions League group stage. But it's it's still a, a massive win for Greek football. You know, even me as an Olympiagos fan, you know, Bathynagos are eternal rivals. But I was impressed. I had to take my hat off to them because it, it. No one. We were just like, nah. There's no chance that they're going to get anything from this game. Marseille will be too good. They have, like you said, Abamyang. They have another whole host of players who are top level. Um and and Marcelino, who actually was linked with Olympiagos briefly to become the manager. Was he? Yes, for, along with a whole host of other managers. Um <laughs> and so yeah, you can't you know, Jovanovic is an excellent coach. He knows how to get teams through the Champions League, as we know with Abuel about 10 years ago. Um, so yes, huge well done to Bathanagos and all the best for tomorrow evening. I, so now we can move on to my team, Olympiagos, who also had a 1-0 win and probably should have scored more, but didn't, but still deserved the win overall. And it was a 1-0 win against uh, Genk from Belgium. So Gostas Fortuny scored in twenty uh, within 23 seconds of the game kicking off. It's the fastest goal uh, anyone's ever scored for Olympiagos in Europe. And of course, it had to be Gostas Fortunis to score that. Um, and yeah, look, it was the first, first official game for... Um, for Olympiagos under Diego Martinez, pretty much a new, well, not a fully new look team, but in the way we play, it's a very new look Olympiagos, barring some new transfers that will be imminently coming, hopefully. Um, and yeah, we we looked we looked decent. There were periods where we looked a bit fragile defensively at times, but I thought that Retos and Fryer, as a fairly new partnership, recovered quite well um, when they did when there were defensive lapses and. Um, Genk nearly scored towards the end of the game as well. I mean, the, that brilliant save from Bascalakis in, in added time, added with a, 
a block from Banigotis Retsos was uh it was put had my heart in my mouth if I'm really honest but yeah I think overall um, it it may not be as clear cut as as maybe I thought being an Olympiagos supporter but I do think Olympiagos deserved the win um just based on the chances and quality of chances we created I thought that we were the better side and I would have liked for us to have scored more um because we definitely missed a couple of absolute sitters uh, as we tend to do but going to Belgium will be difficult but I also think it's possible we go through, and fingers crossed we do. Yeah, I I I, I was impressed um, because you've had uh, um, trouble with um, teams from from that league before. Am I am I right in saying that? Well, that's the thing. I I wrote about it recently, and we actually have an even record with Belgian teams. We I think it's five five wins, five losses, and we've always won at home. So we have we well now it was four wins, one loss. Now it's five wins, one loss. So currently we actually have a positive record on them as it stands. Um, but going away to Belgium, we've only won once, and that was ten years ago when we beat Anderlecht three one. Oh no, we won. Well, no, we beat them three nil away. Mitroglou scored a hat trick, and then we beat them three one away in the last game of that group. Um, uh, but yeah, that's literally the last time we've, and ever since we've had a terrible time going to Belgium. So yeah, get, I think Genk won on the weekend as well. Um, they, so they're looking a little bit better than they did in their first game of the season and then against us. But yeah, they, they we, we have every chance of getting a result against them away. No, I thought you were good value for 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 the win, and 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 much like Panathinaikos, you could have scored more. I think Masaurus had a a couple of chances, um, and uh, and yeah, but I'm I'm more interested to see all this transfer business that that you lot are, are seeming to um, get through this week. I heard. Um, yes, well, to jump the gun with on the agenda, but um, do you do you, do you think your squad is? unfinished do you think you you still need a few more additions yeah without going without going into it just yet i think we are an unfinished team there's definitely additions that are needed and are close to being done they might have taken a bit longer than they probably initially thought they would take but i but by the end of the if not before this game i think by the end of the week we'll see a few transfers coming in from the ones that we're close to signing and then after that i'm pretty certain that antonio cordon is going to want to make another like another winger come in and then maybe another forward because Rafa Mir from um I think it's Valencia or is it Sevilla I can't, I can't remember but Raf that Rafa Mir is very close to be to well not close to being signed but he's constantly linked and they want him but I, but what what are the the understanding is that if once we get into Europe of some cal, of some kind mm-hmm. that's when the big transfers will come in so at the very end of the window we're expecting some big hitters to come in to kind of bolster the squad. But for now, we're bringing in, well, hopefully we're bringing in so, these talented players that we'll be talking about very soon. But yes, Libyagos, very good for the win. Hopefully we do the same in Belgium. What's like um uh, what's kind of your, what happens if you win and what happens if you lose? Who, who do you face? Just a reminder. So if we lose, oh, so if we win, we go to the, Europa League playoffs and I I need to double check who we play it was a Serbian side but I cannot remember the name I think we went through it last uh, week Vojvodina um, maybe or Red Star no not we do play Red Star in a friendly during the international break but we don't mm-hmm. play them competitively uh, let me just quickly have a look but I yeah we, we, we there's if we go to the Europa League playoffs um, there's one team we are guaranteed to face and I can't pronounce their names for the rest for them mm. uh, for the, to save my life. It's um, it's 
Siatsi, I think it is, or oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but yes, we play or something like that. Yeah. yeah, and then Europa League playoffs. We play. I cannot remember the names of either, but we play either a Turkish side or we play a different team. I can't remember. Let me just check for you. I will check it while we are here because why not? Uh, <laughs> but I, I look. I think that either way, we should be in Europe this uh, come September. I I would be surprised if Olympiagos miss out in Europe, and it would be a, a pretty seismic shock if we didn't, because I don't think we've missed out in Europe for about. 13 years, like properly, like being knocked out of the group stage uh, of the qualifiers to not reach the group stage proper. Um, let me have a what, quick... what happens if, if you do uh, miss out? Are you going to sack your manager again? Look, I mean, knowing Olympiagos, you probably will, <laughs> probably would, but I'm hoping that's not the case because you can see what Cordon and, um, and Diego Martinez are trying to build. So you'd think that. If not for some re- for if for some reason we didn't qualify for Europe, we'd at least keep them to just try and push for the league. Um, it would be a complete failure. But it, it's we, we're not even thinking about that right now because minimum is Europe. We have to get Europa Conference League. So I found the teams. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, Adama Adana Dim- uh, Dimispor. Yeah, uh, we play or we play Croatia side uh, Ozilek. Yeah. So that's those are the two potential opponents if we fall into the Europa League play uh, Europa Conference League playoffs. Um, all all fairly difficult, but all of them beatable. I'd say even yeah. even Genk away, uh, yeah, Genk away would, is is doable, but not not easy for mm. Olympiagos. But yes, good win for them. Um, then we go to the Europa League playoffs, where I guess it's not a fantastic result, but Hadjik split nil, Balg nil. So Balg travelled to Croatia, played the second biggest club quotation marks in Croatia. And got a, a a credible enough nil-nil draw. Um ideally you'd want Balg to get the win first to take it to Dumba, but I also a loss, uh, sorry, a draw isn't the worst thing in the world to then go to Dumba second leg and maybe get a, a get a win. So they're still fairly on course to to get past Hadjik split. So yeah, it's not the worst result in the world, I'd say. No, it's not. Um, I, I obviously didn't see didn't see that match. Um, but a, a, a draw away from home in Europe is 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 always you're always going to take that, especially if you know that you're coming back to a an atmosphere like Tumba um, the the next week. Um, yeah, I'd be again very surprised if, if they didn't make it. To be honest, I, I'd be surprised if any um, of the the Greek teams, possibly Aris, um, depending on who who they face in the in the playoff rounds. I think it's uh, oh well, if Power gets through. Um, it will be against Hearts or Rosenberg, which yeah, you have a toss up whether either of those teams uh, would, would would be harder challenge than Hadrick Split. So um, yeah, I back them to get through. Um, in terms of Aris, still not sure yet. Yes, but then I think I've always said, even now after like all the good results that we've had, I'm still not 100% set on Balkan Aris. And this is not an Olympiagos bias thing. But these are the teams that have always dropped points against the teams that they should be beating. So even though I'd say Rosenberg and, and uh, sorry, who's which Scottish team were they playing? Hearts, Hearts, Mislothian. Look, but both decent teams and teams that Bal could also get past in in Europe in the qualifiers. But they're also teams that could be stumbling bon- blocks for um, for Balk and uh, and whoever Aris get. You know that they still have to get past a very tough opponent who we'll talk about in a sec. But yeah. Mm. That it's going to be difficult, and but we'd like to see at least we, if all five teams made it to Europe, that would be 
unbelievable because I can't remember the last time that's ever happened um, <laughs> before, auto, well, after um, automatic qualification was uh, still a thing for Greek football. But yeah, well, it's been a long time since five teams have, have been involved in Europe full stop, I, I believe, only because the, the Conference League only came in. Was it 2021 or even before that? So Yeah, well, I mean... 2021-22. Yeah, I guess way before that you had the Cup Winners' Cup and such as well. And I True. guess the Intertoto Cup, if you really want to go that far back as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I, I, it's a, it, hopefully we can get as many teams in Europe as possible for the coefficient, especially because Greece are going to have a tough time of it in the coefficient over the next few years, especially with all the changes that are happening. And every five years, obviously, it resets so that... It, yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, but yeah, good, good. Not a bad draw for Balk. Hopefully, in Dumba they get a win. Um, then, as we as we kind of hinted at before, Anis got a massive win as well against Dynamo Kiev. Again, this was probably the one that I thought, okay, they're they're, they're definitely not going to do anything because Bath and I got, you could be like, okay, maybe an upset. But mm. Anis getting a win over Dynamo Kiev at home, amazing uh, result for them. Um, and they they also. Um, Honored the death, uh, honored the um, the the, the deceased uh, Michalis uh, Gatsouris as well in that game, which was a nice touch from them. Um, so there was no celebration after the penalty was taken by Luis Palma, and so they 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 commemorated uh, Michalis Gatsouris there. But amazing win for 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 them because Dynamo Kiev, you know, fairly experienced in Europe. I know there's obviously ongoing problems in Ukraine and with the and with the league and uh, and and teams with with, with the the conflict, but. Still, you got to give it to Aris. So it's a fantastic win over over a, a consistent European side. Yeah, again, because I was watching the Olympiacos match, I, I didn't catch this one. But um, just looking back at the stats now, it, it does again look like a comfortable win. Um, Eleven shots to five, uh, four shots to two on target, uh, more corners, um, and, uh, and 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 uh, fewer saves to make from from the Aris goalkeeper who was Cuesta, of course. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, it, it looks comfortable. And I know that obviously with, with what's going on in uh, Ukraine at the moment, I don't believe Dynamo will be playing at home um, no. in, in the away leg for, for Aris. So I, I think they're playing in Slovakia. I might be wrong in that. I think that's where a lot of Ukrainian sides are playing, yeah. Yeah, so um, it, again, I, I think Aris have got a, a great opportunity now to, to, to get into the group stage of European competition. And um, I'd, I'd love to have the, the data on that the last time they made uh, uh, either the Europa League or, or whatever. I'm trying to find it. And to be honest, I'm going back quite a long way. Um, so, yeah, massive chance for Aris to, to try and make some history. 2011, apparently. 2011, when they long made time. the UEFA Cup. Uh, uh, round of 32, they played Manchester City. Oh uh, yes, yes. I, I lost three 0 on aggregate. Apparently, I remember seeing that. I remember seeing that um, previously when I've done, like written about kind of history between like X for like. Well, I think it was when City played Olympiagos. I was looking up like mm. when was the last time City played a Greek side or how many times have they played a Greek team. Um, but yeah, a, m- amazing result for Aris on the night. Um, and who knows? Maybe they can travel away, even though it's not really Dynamo Kiev's home of homes, uh, and, and get another result to go through to the playoffs. So. So yeah, that's all the Greek teams in Europe. Amazing results, and and as as we said before, a huge for the coefficient as well because that keeps Greece kind of at pace in nineteenth place with eighteenth. Um, and uh, you know, the more Greek teams in Europe, the better for the coefficient and just for Greek football in general. So amazing work from all of them. 
Just one little thing on that. Weirdly, when I when I've um, gone to Greece uh, and and gone to Athens and interviewed some some Greek journalists over there, I always ask them what what are your thoughts on sort of supporting other Greek teams in Europe, and unequivocally they've always said um, if you're a Panathinaikos fan, it, under no circumstances do you want an Olympiakos to 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 win anything, um, not even at Tiddlywinks, for example. So um, I I think weirdly it, it could be sort of a I don't know, a, a second generation uh, Greek thing to be supporting all of the Greek teams. But it does make sense, right? Because um, b- because of the, the, the past results in Europe, we've had we've now got five teams um, in, in, in Europe this season. Otherwise, we would have had, I think, one in the Champions League, three in the, the Conference League. So um, it's. I think uh, if you take it as a, a as an overview, um, obviously we want all Greek teams to do well, um, unless you're you're you know a very hardcore ultra. Look, I mean, for me, I think I I think I see it one way. If Greek if Greek football is in a better place where we were still in the top ten or even like top, well, we, Greece was sixth at one point, mm. not about twenty years ago. I think there wouldn't be this sentiment of we all like from some fans that we all have to be like, oh yeah, we hope they do well enough to get into the group so that we can then get coefficient points. Because some people completely disagree with me and, and don't want uh, their rival teams to do well. And that's fair enough because it's football and there's that tribalism and rivalry. And I understand. I think for me, I don't necessarily want them, like want rival clubs to do well. I, I think it's more just kind of, I'm thinking of the wider picture because if they don't do well, then Greek football is absolutely stuffed. So mm. I'm like, please just, just do something. Like you don't have to do better than what, than us, but at least do something in Europe. You know what I mean? Um, but obviously like I would, I think if, if a Greek club got to the latter stages of a tournament, I would start to be like, okay, no, you've done enough now. Just, just, just simmer down. Like we, you don't have to win anything before we do. Um, How were you feeling when power got to the, was it the quarterfinals of the conference league the other year? Um, I was confident they wouldn't get past Marseille and they didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I was pleased for them to get that far because th- this is why we have five teams in Europe now uh, at, at this current stage, because Bark did so well that season. We now have that little uh, turnover of, of having five places in the qualifiers. Um, but don't don't worry, once once Greek football gets to a better place, I'll start hating on all the teams again. It's all good. <laughs> and and when it comes to domestic football, there's no chance. I don't want anyone to do better than Olympiagos. I think I think Europe, I'm just trying to be more diplomatic, as I've <laughs> been told many times, I'm too diplomatic when it comes to these sort of things. But yeah, I, I don't have a big issue <laughs> right now. <laughs> we'll we'll talk when one of the Greek teams gets to the latter stage and it's not Olympiagos, then then we'll talk again. Um, but yeah, the, I think so from that week, um, Greece got 0.7 points in overall in the uh, coefficient, if that means anything to anyone, because um, <laughs> it's that, that complicated. But yes, it's great for for the, the, the for Greek football because it it's a keeps up the pace with Czech Republic, who they, we're just behind in 18th. Um, and just trying to set the pace as best as possible, try and get that 15th spot because 15th is huge for any of those teams around Greece, like Israel, Denmark, Czech Republic, Croatia, and then teams below below Croatia, like Poland, Switzerland, Cyprus, um, you know, they're all going to be pushing for to try and get as high up the table as possible to get that those beautiful automatic uh, places in Europe. Um, but yes, that's European football for Greek football as it, right now. And um, I guess very briefly, Alec, we can talk about the Super League because... The Super League is a thing, and it's actually starting this weekend. 
Um, so it feels a bit weird that it's starting because we've already seen Greek clubs starting to play in Europe again. And it mm-hmm. just is like, well, okay, well, yeah, the league has to start at some point. Um, but just kind of, just, well, we won't talk about the league for a huge amount, but just in, in early doors, who do you think are the favourites for the title? Without oh. being biased. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I think you can't look past Panathinaikos and, and AK Athens. I, th- I think it will be another right to the wire um, title fight. And I, I hope it will be. Um, I hope it's a, a three-way, four-way title fight right to the wire. I mean, that's what's that's kind of what we're all in it for. I know how much you enjoyed winning the league by 20 points every season. But for, for the rest of us, I, th- I think we we want something a bit more exciting than that. Um, but no, just looking at their their squads, looking at their their business over the window, they, they've hardly changed at all. I know Panathinaikos lost Corbelis and Salia, um, but they brought in, I think, able replacements. Valenia looks like a great player. Jurisic as well. Um, and then they've got Yedvai, who had a great game last week, by the way, um, and uh, Palmer Brown from Troy. So um, I think they've they, they've just done little tweaks here and there. Um, and I, I don't see them being any worse than last season. So I, I have to assume that they'll they'll be there or thereabouts. And, and AEK, uh, exactly the same. I can only see them improving. Um, they've only really lost Savelas um, from their regular starters or their regular um, players. Um, I know that Araujo was rumoured to be going to Las Palmas again, but um, it, it remains to be seen what happens there. Um, and then they brought in Ponce from Elche and Pizarro from Inter Miami, who I think um, worked with Almeida before. Um, Maybe? I'm not 100%, just because... I might be uh, just just because he's Mexican, but um, I did read somewhere that they they'd worked together, or he knew him at least. Um, and so I, I I think they they'll be they'll be up there as well. Um, the the more time Almeida has with his players, the the, the better they'll become, I think. And and they were awesome last season. Um, holding on to Levi Garcia was a, a huge huge thing, and to to get the the loan made permanent for Pineda as well. Um, equally huge. Those two players are European quality players. They they should be playing in Champions League at the very least, Europa League um, every season, I think. And and they'll be the difference makers this season, I think, for them. Um, in terms of Olympiacos, and I I know you you won't want to hear me say this, but I don't know how you're going to be. I've no idea, Steve. I've no idea. Um, you've obviously done the the usual thing and let go quite a few players mm-hmm. um not uh, brought too many in the door as as i expected but as you said you you've got quite a few uh coming in as it, as it sounds like so um i don't know is is my answer on olympiakos i think you've you've got enough there I, i'd be very worried if huang left um hmm. uh, although Maddie Camera played quite well against Genk. Yes. Um you've still got Fortunis, although there are rumors of him leaving as well. Oh um, dear. yeah, we'll get on to that. Like, yeah. Um, and of course Bakambu is a big miss too, but um uh, you've still got El Arabi. He might be th- is he 36 now? 36, 37, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you might need a a, a center forward. I know you've got El Kabi as well. He's he's joined yes. from that before. Um, but he only scored eight goals last season, so I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure on, on that. Um well, no, Steve. You can tell me better than than I know. Okay. I think just initially, early doors, I think you're not wrong or 
biased in thinking that um, Ayak are going to be one of the favourites for the title because, like you said, they've kept their squad together, which is what they didn't do when they last won the league. They, like that team got completely disassembled, and then you saw the next season, and then uh, the season after that, you, the repercussions of that. So I definitely think that Ayak are one of the favourites to not only win the title but retain it, and that'd be pretty big for Greek football because no no side has retained the title apart from Olympiagos in the last kind of 20, 30, coming to 30 years. Um, and Barthanagos too, like, like you said, they, they've lost a couple more players that maybe were kind of a bit more integral than Ayak have, but they've they've reinforced quite well. Um, and, you know, they're, they're with Jovanovic, who's probably one of the best managers in the league, if maybe if not the best manager on and on, on paper, I, I think he's... Um, I think he's very well experienced in winning things and take and like getting results out of his teams, even if Barthanagos may not play the most attractive football of, of all the big sides. Um, on Olympiagos, I think we're the most unknown. Um, I think that this could be a season of transition where we're going in the right direction, but might be a bit. It might be a bit too soon for us to be back at the top. Um, I could th- for me, this is just so many shades of eight seven. Uh, 2018-19 like Pedro Martin's first season where we brought loads of new players we looked really good there were times we looked great but we just fell short in the big moments when we needed to get a good result like like the games where we lost to, to Balka that were crucial in us not being uh not being in the title conversation after February um I I, I would be very I, I could very much see Olympiagos not winning the league this season but I think it it might be for the better that we have a season of transition where we do okay if we get to Europe and do well enough in the league to get top two. And then next season is when we are really pushing for it. And that's not me conforming to mediocrity. That's me trying to be realistic. But if Olibia, but Olibia Argos could very well come out of the blocks and look amazing and just run away with the title. You don't know. But mm. I, but I think for the sake of Greek football, it, it's good if if the the big three, is particularly, you know, Barker always in the conversation now. Um, um, but I think, the if, especially the big three, being in a healthy position is good for the league because we need a competitive league, uh, talking as a neutral. But as an Olympiagos fan, yes, I would happily have us win the league by 20 points every season, even if it's uncompetitive, because I like winning trophies. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting, the title race. And but like I said, Balka never out of the conversation. I know they've they, they've they've still kept Zolis, which is huge because Zolis is a very talented player and I did not want him to... Oh, no, not Zolis, sorry. I was thinking of the wrong talented player. Gonzandelias. Gonzandelias. Yeah, they've kept Gonzandelias, unlike Zolis, who went, I think, a bit too soon yeah. um, a couple of years ago. And that's pretty huge for them. And they're still bringing through loads of talented players. So they'll very much still be in the conversation. Um, but I guess into, now we can look at the other t- uh, end of the table quickly, uh, mm-hmm. Alec. We can look at the relegation zone. So a couple of play- a couple of teams came up. So you have um, Gifisia, Banseraigos came up. Um how do you think they'll fare this season? And do you think they'll stay up, or do you? And could we see some shockers going down? You know, like uh, you know, Lamia had the great escape last year. Um, if I'm looking at last season's table, um, you know, Banadoligos had a really bad uh, time mm. in the playoffs last year, and Asteras didn't look very solid at times either. They only had five wins, Asteras, which was joint with um, Lamia. Um, at the end of last season so yeah any any thoughts on relegation um i'm worried for kifisia uh if i'm honest uh i i looked at their their starting squad or their their regular starters last season and they've got rid of all of them apart from andrews tete 
uh, Barbosa, who was their backup centre-back and their, their keeper. And they've brought in a raft of players, a lot of whom didn't play many minutes last season. Um, a lot of them... Uh, at, at clubs you you might expect from sort of the the Greek Super League too, um, but none that really stand out to me. Um, and I think the the player who who scored the most goals who they've signed is Ozegovic, who who was at Volos last season and scored five goals. Um, so I am worried about them. Penseriakos. I I'm a bit more optimistic for actually. Um, they have lost their their strike partners, um, Said and Badrovic, um, but they have brought in Alexic from Iraklis, who scored 19 goals last season. They also brought in Tomas from Iraklis, who got 10 assists last season. So, um, in terms of replacing a strike force with a, another very good strike force, I think they've got enough firepower to stay up. I, Obviously, you don't know. Um, I I think Pensariakos had had kind of the league wrapped up a bit earlier than Kifisia, um, because there was still Calithea who who was up there in in the Greek Super League too. Um, in terms of the other one to go down, then it's really difficult. I have to look at Lamia because I thought they were incredibly lucky to stay up last season. Mm. It, it was those three, wasn't it? Levadiakos. Yeah. Ionikos and uh, Lamia, who were who were just scrapping down there, um, and uh, and and they likewise have have let go of a lot of players and brought a lot of players in. It just depends on um, on how they gel, I guess. Um, yeah, Panatolikos, yeah, worried, worried for them. Um, to be honest, they still have Karelis, which um, is a big keep. Yes, but they they seem to be sliding closer and closer towards a relegation battle last season. I don't know if it was the case that they were on the beach, but um, yeah, the rest should stay clear of it, I think. Um, the only club who really haven't done too much business, um, but I think will be fine, is Pasianina. But they've only let go three players and they've bought, brought in four. So a very settled squad. I think that will help them out. Um, my hot take uh, for for this season, by the way, oh. if you want to know it. Yeah, go for it. Is is I think Offi will finish in the uh, the top six. Um, really? That's and I've got nothing to back that up whatsoever. Um, I, it's just a feeling. I don't know why. Um, mainly, actually, because Volos... Um, seem to be doing Olympiakos thing by sort of a revolving door having I mean I'm looking at the amount of plays they signed the same with Aris actually they've signed a whole new squad essentially yeah, it's pretty much. Um, so yeah I, I never think that's a good idea for a football club you need some sort of continuity you need you, you can't just bring in a whole new team and expect them to to you know click from minute one so um, yeah I think off you will make top six what about you what, who, who do you think is going to go down see I'm, my natural instinct is and this isn't just with the Super League. It's just with any team, any big, any, any league. When when a promoted side come up comes up, I instantly like, oh yeah, they're they're clearly the worst, so they'll go down. So I, I think I, I I yeah, my my natural instinct is is just going to be Gifisiang Banseragos going back down again. But like you said, if if Lamia don't get their act together, they could very well be mixed in again in there again. And I just. It's it's difficult. I, I think that Asteras, uh, I have to be careful as well. I think that they, you know, after a few years of looking really decent and playing some nice, like actually some decent football from out from out of all the kind of best of the rest teams outside the big sides, they've started to kind of free fall a little bit. So I'm I'm a little bit concerned about them. 
Offie, I think your take's really interesting. And I kind of see why you you, you said that about Offie. My one worry is that they every season, for the last couple of years, they've had such a slow start that it's kind of killed their momentum of trying to push for top six. And mm-hmm. then they start looking good just a bit too late to really get to that last spot to to maybe be in like the in the, in the that playoff uh group of playoff uh teams um and i just worry that one uh, just once one season there'll be a time when they start badly and don't start getting good mm. and that's my only concern with off you i think i think your your logic is is sound um with them but i i don't know they're a weird one. I kind of if I worry about Offy a little bit actually as well because if they just if they just instinctively start badly and just think oh well we'll we'll, we'll get out of it eventually and they don't then that's a big issue because they're a, they're a relatively big club when it comes to Greek football. We mm. we don't want to see more big clubs just fall into the, the ether and not come back. Um, but yeah, it's it's I'm I'm really excited for the Super League season. I, they're going to be some good uh, some hopefully a, a competitive title race uh, for a bit and then Olympiakos run away with it. Um, mm. <laughs> and so, yeah, and it'll be interesting in mid table as well, just to see who kind of tries to push for fit for fifth or sixth. You know, Volos are always going to be in that conversation because they they always they always are, and they finally actually made top six last season after looking like being top for like a week and then going like falling into the best of the rest pile. And Atromidos are interesting too that they'll um, I, I assume their aim will be to try finish in the top six as well. Um, but yes, so Super League this weekend, guys. So I'm definitely going to be watching Olympiago's first game against Pansaragos. So I assume you'll be doing the same with Ike as well, Alec. I don't know who they're playing. Uh, they're playing Dynamo Zagreb on Saturday. Oh, they. Oh, yes. So the game's yeah. being pushed. Yeah, that's when the game's being being pushed. So they, I, they... I don't know if that might cause any issues because obviously Panathinaikos are going to be playing in Athens at the same time against uh, Atromitos. Um, and I believe the AK match is a night game as well. Let me have a look. So, Panathinaikos play, so they play Adromidos, yeah, around the same time. Oh, god, that is going to be a logistical nightmare, yeah. isn't it? So, yes, so thank you for bringing that up, actually. So, yes, Dynamo Zagreb. So, the first leg is tomorrow for Dynamo Zagreb, Ayek, and then Ayek's game against Panathinaikos is postponed, so they can play the second leg at mm-hmm. Ayo Sofia on that uh, on the Saturday. Um. Yeah, that's going to be really complicated. I, if if we if we thought the ultras uh, wars in Athens would be bad, we just have to brace ourselves, guys, because it's yeah, it could be especially if if AK get a bad result tomorrow as well. Um, yep. I think the police in Athens should be on red alert for Saturday. Well, I don't know. They're still talking about maybe not having away fans, but that we don't know if that's going to happen because UEFA haven't made a decision on it, as far as I'm aware. Um, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, best of luck to everyone who's traveling to Athens for either of those games. Um, stay safe, please. Um, that will also be one of the busiest weekends of the 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 summer as well in terms of tourists too. Yeah. Um, so, wow. Yeah, I'm glad I'm in London. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Same. Same. <laughs> um, okay. So now that we're done, we're done and dusted with the Super League. So we can talk. We can talk some transfer rumors, Alec, and some done deals mm-hmm. as well. So um let's see so i mean the busiest team at the moment we, we said it before we started recording it's actually got a little bit quiet with some of the bigger teams in greece you know ayak have seemed to have not wrapped up their deals but they've they've got some of their key men in Bathanagos the same bulk uh also the same i guess I sh- i'm sure they'll make some bigger signings come towards the end of the window but for now they've been quiet too but libyagos have been busy Antonio Cordon, the chef himself the chef cordon as people love to call him now because <laughs> he's always cooking 
um, is busy because we have four players potentially coming in this week. So, so you have Santiago Heze, who is a Argentinian midfielder. Uh, um, Ortega, who is a left back, also in uh, Argentinian. We have uh, Gustavo Scarpa, finally <laughs> coming to Olympiagos. Uh, six months late, but he's coming to Olympiagos, apparently. Um, and we also have Ivan uh, Brinic uh, from Meribor who is a uh, Croatian uh, winger, young Croatian winger. And all of those deals are supposedly going to be done by the end of this week. They were meant to... So I think Hesse and Ortega were meant to be done like just after the qualifiers, the first qualifier against Genk. But they got pushed back a little bit because of changing of the deals last minute and just kind of extra negotiations. And, um, and so, yeah, it, these are players that are pretty big for Olympiagos if they come in, particularly the, the the first two, because Heze is this number six we with the young number six we really need, who looks like a stand-up player. He's captain of his team and he looks like it could be a really big upgrade. And he'll be competing obviously with uh, Ibora for the number six role. Ortega is replacing Oleg Rebchuk who has gone to Spartak Moscow. Um and Scarpa will be the um Fortunist deputy and hopefully not the Fortunist replacement. <laughs> and mm. Brinic is is the wing is a winger, so we just need wingers because we don't have any. I think we have like Vrusai and Masuras, and that's it. Like we don't have anyone currently on Libyagos books who are in the plans of Diego Martinez, who are actual wingers. Because Fortunis can play on the left wing and the right wing, but he's not a winger, and so can Pep Biel, and he's mm. not a winger either. Um so and and also there's talks of maybe another winger signing. There's been rumors of of a of um, a couple of interesting kind of players who could be on the wing for Olympiagos, but they're not confirmed yet officially. Um, but yeah, busy, busy from Olympiagos. I, th- I think it's a shame that you were unable to maybe get a deal. It might have been unrealistic for Sergi Canos because uh, I think he really made an impact on on you last season. Um, and uh, and yeah, Ryabchuk. Is is a big miss, Huang. If um, if he definitely go, well, it looks like he's going as well. Yeah. So this is something else we needed to bring up because this came really out of nowhere. So it was just after the qualifiers, and and you know I'm, I might not have all my information set, but this is what I've been reading over the last couple of days. So after the so after the qualifier against Genk, it came out that Huang uh, was no longer in the plans of Olympiagos because he had left the country. To, and has flown back to South Korea and has told Olympiagos and Diego Martinez that he is no longer an Olympiagos player because apparently his contract only ran for one year and it expired on the uh, on uh, like just before the qu- uh, the qualifier against Genk was due to be played. Um, this apparently is not true because his if if anything his contract would have expired on the 30, on the thirtieth of June, which is what all uh, professional footballers' mm-hmm. trans, uh, contracts expire. He wouldn't have been part of our preseason, and he wouldn't have played in the uh, preseason games that he did play in when he wasn't injured. So, and he apparently it was a it was a one year it was a one year contract, but with an addition of extending it for an extra two years, which apparently did happen. Could I, I might the new information might come out and say that it didn't happen, but apparently it did. And he was com, com, he was happy to stay at Olympiagos before that moment that that well last week. And all of a sudden he went to Diego Martinez and said, "Sorry, I'm leaving now." And Martinez was like trying to convince him to stay, and he didn't. Um, and it's it's disappointing. It's disappointing as an Olympiagos supporter because he was our best player last season, and he 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 conducted himself really well. He, he captured the fans. In, in, a, in like a way that we really needed last season with all the 
negative things that were happening. Um, and to see him turn around and do this is is really yeah, it's just disappointing. I, I, people are furious with him, as 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 I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised to hear. And he's expect he is saying that he wants three million pounds from Olympiagos to leave the club. And we're just thinking, well, why do you need three million pounds if your contract supposedly expired? And and like I think it was more that. Um, there was apparently a release clause of 3 million euros in his contract. So if a club came for 3 million euros uh, and offered 3 million euros for him, then Olympiagos would have to sell him. But Olympiagos have then confirmed that that's not the case. They rejected that proposal from Huang and they wanted no less than 10 to 15 million euros for him. So they would that no they wouldn't allow any club to negotiate unless they put 10 million euros on the on the table and said, right, we want to talk about Huang. Um, so that's ongoing. The Olympiagos have got their lawyers involved. Uh, Huang's got his lawyers involved. So yeah, it's become a bit of a mess, if I'm honest, Alec. Yes, it's a long, long, long answer over. It's it's a mess. Um, but we are bringing in new players, so hopefully that papers over the cracks of that. And and the players um, reacted well because this all happened before the game against Gang. So the, the players reacted really well despite that big loss. Um, and as you said, Madi Kamara was excellent in that game and he's been excellent in all of pre-season. So if we do lose Huang, we have Madi, who's a different kind of player, but he's such an asset when he is good and he has been good. Yeah, because I thought Huang was one of the, if not the best central midfielders in, in the league last season. He just oozed quality. Um, and to 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 have him, if he if he is let go for nothing, that's a that's a a huge loss for for Olympiacos. Um, but also losing him via and Samaseka in the same in the same window as well. I know you brought in Iborda, um, and Alexandropoulos, but um, again, like I said before, I I think it's always a a risk to take if if you're going to get rid of your whole midfield. I mean, look at Liverpool right now. Um, getting rid of Henderson and Fabinho in the same window, and now they're struggling to to find anybody to fill the gaps. Um, I think there's quite a few parallels actually um, between Olympiacos's transfer, transfer window and, and Liverpool's. But um, yeah, uh, he's hoping that um, you you get uh, able replacement, or you can keep him. Even better. See, I don't know if it's beyond. I think it's beyond that now because of the way he's conducted himself. I don't. I think it would take a lot for the for the club to say come back and you can stay if Huang somehow changed his tune. But he's clearly been tapped up by another club or by an, uh, by someone who has said to him, "Look, these guys want you, and you have, but they don't want to pay a fee, and that's why he's trying to get on a free transfer." And and so yeah, it's a huge disappointment. But like I said, we we have Camara who is apparently being convinced by trying to be convinced by Martinez to stay and sign a new contract. So maybe. He can keep. He can be convinced. I imagine if it's a circumstance of sign a new contract, play this season, play well, and then we'll talk. And if you want to leave in the summer, we'll get a fee. You can leave. Everyone's happy. And I think people would take that if Madi Camara stayed and and played the way he's been playing early doors. Um, and Heze, Heze is not a like for like Huang replacement because he is more of a six, but he is capable of playing in a more advanced position in number eight mm-hmm. as well. So. He he is a good addition, especially if we're going to play four three three slash four two three one throughout the season. Um, so yeah, we we will get a replacement for for Huang if 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 he doesn't stay. And it's just like I said, it's just disappointing because he was so good, and I, I we all fell in love with him, and now it's turned very sour with the fans, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. And I don't blame them. Um, but yes, I guess moving on to another rumor. So uh, so Manoli Siobius, who's currently at Traps on Spore, um is apparently um 
said not to be keen on adhering to his wage demands. So Trapsonspor are not keen on adhering to his wage demands and negotiating a new contract. And apparently he's been apparently he was offered to Olympiagos, rumors were, you know, for, for um at the time for um Zenkan Nagel to go there and we brought in um, someone else with Siobis as a swap deal. Um, and that didn't transpire. But apparently Ike, Bathanagos, Balk and Aris are looking at him. So he could return to the Super League, maybe. I don't know. What do you think of this one? It would be nice to have a Greek player playing for some some Greek clubs. Um, Especially Aris, because they need Greek players. <laughs> I know. And, and and looking down the list of their, the, the players they've signed, I'm, I'm going to count them now. I think there's 13 players that I've I've got here that they've signed. One of them is Greek, and I believe it's a backup goalkeeper. Yes. Um, and uh, in the whole of last season, they're the only team in the Super League who didn't field a player who um, who was Greek, who had more than 10 90s in the season. I think I'm right in saying that. Um, so, yeah, bizarre um, from Aris. I mean, the, the, the quicker that a, a rule can be brought in. I know that in um, European, UEFA have a homegrown rule. Um, in that you you need to have a certain number of home homegrown players in your squad yes. um, to be in the Champions League at least. I'm not certain whether that applies to the Conference League, but if it does, then um, Aris will be in big trouble if they do qualify because I, I don't see any of them being homegrown players. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but no, Siopis would be a great signing for for any of the clubs, especially Park, because they are very light in midfield, having lost now Douglas or Augusto to um to Nantes. Um yes. Dantas has returned on loan, uh Kurtic has has gone back. Um so they have Schwab obviously in the middle, um, and they've got Osdorov no now. Um but I think they need a little bit extra, at least a bit of depth there. If if they think they're going to go through a whole season, especially a, a season which might include European football, um, mm. with only two senior um, central midfielders, uh, then, yeah, um, they need to think again. Yeah, and it's going to back to Aris quickly. Um, you, you mentioned about the, the Greek constituent in, in, in the team, and the only Greek player that I can see be anywhere near the first team, if he is, is Lazarus Christodoulopoulos, and he's obviously mm-hmm. in his in the twilight of his career now. Um, and so that's that is worrying because all the other all the other players, like you said, they're they're, they're either younger players or there's they're a backup goalkeeper. Um, and I, in terms of signings, they have made more recently. I guess it's a notable one. It's uh, Martin Montoya, former Barcelona academy graduate. Um, he's uh, won the Champions League. He's won the treble <laughs> with Barcelona <laughs> under Luis Enrique. The Messi Neymar Suarez uh, trio of of yesteryear, and uh, yeah, he hasn't played a lot though in the last few years. He's played in the lot for he was previously at Real Betis, and he played. Uh, let me just have a look. He played seventeen games in three seasons, La, mm-hmm. La Liga games. That is so. This isn't this isn't including Copa del Rey or any European fixtures. He's played seventeen games in three years, so mm-hmm. could be good for them, but I don't know. I don't think so. He's had a lot of injury issues from what I've heard. I think this follows their their policy of, of signing out of favour players. I imagine because they'd, they'd be cheaper to, to to get a hold of and cheaper in terms of wages. I mean, I'm looking down the list here of, of players that they've signed. The 30, of the 13 players, only four of them played more than 18. No, of the four of them, uh, only four of them, sorry, have played more than 12 90s last season. Wow. Uh, 
not including their backup goalkeeper. And that's um, uh, Jean-Jules, uh, Ferrari, Zamora and Fattore. The rest of them all played um, either 590s, 490s, 590s, 1190s, 290s, 990s, 490s, 590s. Um, and Idonis didn't play at all for Stuttgart last season. Um, so it, it seems like they're, they've got a policy where if if a player is out of favour with the club or isn't isn't getting on with the manager or just isn't finding a game for for whoever they're signing for, then um, they, they found a home in Aris. So um, I, I think it fits in well. I remember Montoya from when... Liverpool were linked to him back in, I think, 2014, maybe, 2013. Mm. That's a, a blast from the past. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to see how they fare this season. Um, again, they could be touch and go with getting into the top six. And they play Offie, I believe. Yeah, they play Offie on Sunday um, in, in Crete as well. So that should be very interesting. Mm, interesting test for the Lady Doors, yeah. Um, so the next rumor, I guess we'll go back to Olympiagos because these are the last two rumors. One is a bit outlandish and one is very worrying for me. So the first one is the worrying one and it's, uh, Gostas Fortunis, um, linked with the Middle East. So he, he so Yorgos Donis, who is the manager of UAE side Al Huada, uh, is very keen on signing for Junis. They've apparently he's been offered, I think it was between two to 2.5 million pounds, uh, euros a year. Um, and the and I think that there was rumors have varied on the fee. It's either been one million or ten million. And so someone's added a zero or taken a zero away there for some <laughs> reason. I don't really know why. And also, um, uh, Saudi Arabian side uh, Al Nasir have been linked with him too. Cristiano Ronaldo's team. Um, so there's the there's the there's the temptation there for Fortunis to play with some big players and some money. Well, this is the thing: the money that he's being offered is good. But it's something that Olympiagos could pay him. And he's got one year left on his contract. So this is very much a, a, a easy enough situation for Olympiagos to just say to him, right, here's a blank check. Here's what you whatever you want. Stay at the club. We'll, we'll give you a new contract. But that and I while I, I'm kind of 80% certain that he'll stay, there is still that 20% worry in me that he does leave, despite the fact that he is very much in the plans of the club. He's the captain, and Diego Martinez rates him and not only rates him, starts him, and he's very important as a not just on the pitch but off the pitch because he is Olibiagos, you know, to the, to the fans especially. So it would be very sad if and very just I'd be so depressed if he if he did leave. I mean, he showed his value on on Thursday, didn't he? Um, yes. Clearly, he's he's not one of these players who's you know downing tools if if a bid comes in for him or he wants to earn more money somewhere else. He seems like he's if he is going, he's at least fighting to the end with with Olympiacos trying to get them Europa League football. Um, no, it would be a huge miss, a huge miss, um, and and especially since you said that you've barely got any wingers in the squad, um, you'd need to move very fast to, to to fill that gap but I, I'm not sure if you would be able to fill that gap um he's such a special player for you um so yeah no there is worrying news for for Olympiacos fans and um and great news for AK and Panathinaikos fans. yes exactly well then that you know look Saudi Arabia's been a huge pull for so many players this summer and we've seen We've seen it uh, with so many big names in the Premier League moving and and around Europe as well, and it's just it's just mental. And it just I hate for Tunis to be another one to go to to Saudi Arabia or go to the Middle East at least, and just ah, uh, especially because he's at Libyagos. And like you said, it's not just replacing one of the top players in the team; it's replacing 
Costas Fortunis, like that, that's huge. You you can't replace what he brings to the team, not just for, for who, who he is as a player, but the influence that he has in the squad. So, and and look, I mean, now we can move on to the outlandish rumor because this, I guess, if this actually happened, he'd technically be Fortunis' replacement. It's um, <laughs> Belgian legend, former Real Madrid, former Chelsea legend, Ed Nazard is linked with Olympiagos. Yes, <laughs> I'm being serious. Um, <laughs> apparently, he's a free agent. He's left Real Madrid, obviously. Um, he's linked with Inter Miami, and I. This is where I actually think he will be going. I, I if he does continue to play, because there are rumors that he might just retire as well due to obviously ongoing injury issues he suffered in Madrid. I don't think this is going to happen. This is very much the signing that Olympiagos would have made last season when we signed James Rodriguez and we signed Marcelo. This this is not an Antonio Cordon signing. This is Marinakis, um, not without a sporting director and doing whatever he likes because he thinks it's FIFA um, <laughs> kind of transfer logic. I don't think this is going to happen in, in all seriousness. It would be hilarious if we got him and he suddenly became the player he was at Chelsea. But he won't be, he, uh, unfortunately. As much as I loved Ed Nazard, um, it's it's a crazy rumor that won't happen. If I ask ChatGPT to come up with an Olympiakos 2022 rumor, I'm I'm certain that it would come up with Eden Hazard. Um, apparently, he was at Chelsea versus Liverpool um, yesterday. Yes, there were pictures um, of him. Yeah, uh, he's only 32, which surprised me. I thought I was going to look him up and he'd be, you know, 34, 35. Mm. But he, I think uh, as soon as he moved to, to Real Madrid, there were questions about his fitness um, and, and not just injuries as well, sort of putting on weight um, and things like that. And, and and that he kind of does fit into some of the, the transfers that you have seen from Olympiacos over the years. But I thought the whole point of bringing in a new football director is that this kind of thing wouldn't happen again and you don't buy overpriced players who are at the kind of um, looking for for one last payday and, and you know, a trip to the beach. Um, so, uh, no, I would steer well clear of that. Although, although um, he must have some quality. What, what, what do you think? I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him play since he was at Chelsea. I, I really don't know. I think he's, look, I think he, it's not the quality that he doesn't have I think it's the motivation because what's his motivation to come to Olympiagos we're not in the Champions League for one we're not in a major uh, like we're not in Europe's top five leagues for second so he it's like with Marcelo like he's not going to be there to actually help the team and compete also first and foremost he's going to want to just be in Greece and have live live a nice life play some quote-unquote easier football than what he's played because the Super League isn't mm-hmm. as strong as La Liga on the Premier League we're being realistic um and so that's why I don't think on a logically it's it makes any sense to bring Hazard in because he's not going to be there for the project. He's not going to be there to win the t- the Super League title. He's not going to be there to compete in the, the Europa League or the Europa Conference League. Um, and his wages will still be huge. Like even if he has a, cuts the his wages down, he'll comfortably be the most expensive player on the roster. Um, so I don't I, like I said I don't think it'll happen. He'll either go to Saudi or go to into Miami where he can get paid a shed load and just kick a ball about. Um, and, and that's, and like, and like, like we've already reiterated, Antonio Cordon would not make a signing like this. Um, you know, I know some people question the Scarpa deal because obviously that's, it feels, does feel like a Marinaki signing, but this apparently that signing was uh, with the understanding that Cordon likes the player, therefore we're bringing him in and he thinks he'll do well with us. And Hazard just, there's no logic whatsoever. But uh, there's always that tiny like shred of me that's like, 
hmm, if we brought him in, it might actually work, even <laughs> though it won't. It won't work whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but that's trend. That that those are the uh, go on. What were you going to say, Alex? I was just going to ask you a question. Do you, do you, like I, I might have asked this earlier in the podcast as well. Are you, are you not worried that you're not linked to any out and out centre forwards? Um, so we're linked with Rafa Mir still, um, uh, from Sevilla, but it's, it's on and off, like it's a loan maybe, but then it's maybe if we get into Europe, maybe, and it's all maybe, 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 maybe with him. Um, so not necessarily because we've got El Kabin who is, is, he can play on the wings as well, but he is a center forward. And I think that that's where he'll play. And I think also believe that he will replace El Arabi, um, when he's ready to, and mm-hmm. I think he's an absolute steal on a free transfer as well, considering. True. And I know he didn't score a lot for his uh, the team he played with in Qatar, um, or in the Middle East at the very least. Um, um, I think it was Al Saad he played for, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Kabi. Um, he was. It was. At, he was in Turkey, but unfortunately, because the, that the, his so in Turkey, his club obviously had to withdraw from the league because that was in the area where there was the terrible earthquake. And so he then left the club on a free transfer and went to the Middle East and played a little bit for them. And that's why his goal to game ratio isn't great after January. He actually has done, he actually had overall a good season, but he was playing for two different teams. And then he got let go again on a free transfer. And now he's at Olympiagos. Um, And I think we'll bring another forward in, but I also would be okay ish because we have bar as well like um al in bar who was playing well for the b team and looks like he's part of martinez plans i think in at center forward but i i also believe we'll bring another center forward in but it's not urgent now that we brought el cabi in um but yeah those are the transfer rumors for now so i guess the last thing to do alec is go to questions because we have a few we have a few questions this week so let's start with our friend uh nick galathaki so it's uh at N Galathakis and uh, sorry at N underscore Galathakis he says uh just wanted to say hi uh guys hope you have all have a good summer so that's not really a question but yeah thanks Nick we're we're, we're doing good I I went to Cyprus so it's always a good summer when you go to Cyprus Do you, have you had a nice summer so far Alec yeah yeah I was in Greece uh two weeks ago I was in um uh, the Peloponnese and then went to um Zakynthos Nice. Uh, but not that part of Zakynthos, if you know what I mean. <laughs> not, I mean the it was Zanti, not the Zanti part. The Zanti no, exactly. Part. Um, so that was really good fun. And I was in I was in Cyprus for the first time in May as well, which was great um, to to see that. It, it was weird. I couldn't understand anybody. Um, uh, I, I I know my Greek isn't the best, but um, I, I I'm usually a lot better with understanding people in Athens. And and when I went to Cyprus, I was just I needed people to slow down a second because. It sounded like they were speaking a completely different language. That's because it, well, that's the dialect. I mean, I'm I'm the complete opposite because I go to Cyprus and I think, yes, this is where, this is my, this is where I'm from. Like this, I don't, my Greek isn't amazing either, but I can at least converse in broken Greek well with, with Greek Cypriots because everyone speaks English anyway. But Mm. going to Greece, everyone speaks a million miles an hour and they speak, it's almost like the well-spoken version of, well, it's it's the well-spoken version of Greek Cypriot. And so whenever you try and say stuff, you're not saying it right to how Greeks from Greece, especially Athens, would speak. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of get that. It's interesting because of having, because I guess it's from my family influence because they all speak the Cypriot dialect mm-hmm. and then go to Cyprus that everyone speaks the Cypriot dialect as well. Um, but yeah, I, we both had a very good summer. So um, now we have gone to Mukles at Mukles111. Uh, how can, can Balk break the defensive Hadjik split? Um, the answer is by scoring goals. 
<laughs> that, what, simple answer isn't it yeah um well, they had um they had brandon up top didn't they um yeah but to be fair it looked like a lot of the greek clubs were, were struggling to break down their their teams in europe it took a, a playstation goal from panathinaikos to 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 open up <laughs> um the, the marseille defense um i think I, I again i haven't seen the stats i haven't seen the game so um it, it's very hard to say um, I imagine getting Constantelius on the ball quite a lot might help. Yes, because he was excellent against Beitar Jerusalem. Mm. And um, and look, I, I think the, the way that Balk are going to win that game is in Dumbai. If everyone turns up and everyone shouts really loudly for 90 minutes, they're, they're going to have the atmosphere behind them. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they just have to be more clinical in front of goal and hopefully that Constantelius is the is the creator for, for Balk getting to the... Uh, Europa Conference League playoffs. Uh, the next question is from uh, at Seven Yanuli, and he says, uh, "Would you like to see a Saudi Arabia takeover in Greece?" Um, that depends what you mean. Like, do you mean mm. the Saudis buy the Super League, or the Saudis buy a Greek club or multiple Greek clubs? Um, I think for me, look, I, I everyone has their price in in life whether it be football or not i and i think that i think that the the, the greek football federation and the super league would definitely take it because they need money mm. i don't think i'd want to see it personally uh because i feel like it's i i look i i have my i have my principles even if there's if if they're questionable at times and i i think that it's fueling fueling a an agenda like like saudi arabia when they are sports washing in a way that um you know just to kind of prop up their image i don't really want that in the game but if that happened in greek football and things improved then that then that's the caveat like we might get a better competition uh, or you know if the saudis were to invest or to buy a greek club or you know anything the greeks the uh, the saudis put money in sorry all of the above so yeah i have my principles but i also can understand why it'd be enticing I think it's a super tricky question. Um, when I was in Cyprus in May, I, I went to watch Addis Limassol, um, who, who won the league for the first time over there. Um, and they've been, in, in the last two seasons, they've been bought by a, a Belarusian owner. Um, and Limassol is sort of famous for having a big Russian-speaking population there. Yes. Um, and you look at the city and everything's under construction. There's so much investment you can feel in the city. So many high rise, like luxury apartment blocks being built, like massive boats in the marina and yachts and things. And then you look at the football club as well, who, who actually um, are, are in the Champions League qualifying rounds. And they never finished higher than fourth in their entire 93 year history. Um, and you go and speak to the fans of their club and... I, I didn't know about the Russian investment before I met the fans and they were so like overjoyed with what, what was happening. They, they almost couldn't believe it. And they didn't really care about where the money was coming from. Mm -hmm. And then you find out about the money and, and sort of you think, well, is this right? Is this, and I'm sure if you'd have asked Newcastle fans five years ago, um, what do you think of, you know, Man City being um, owned by a, a Gulf state? And they would have obviously said, like, this is despicable, ruining football, the game's gone, etc. And then and then they get bought out by by the PIF um, and, and everything changes and they're starting to wear, you know, um, Saudi Arabian traditional clothing. And um, they've got a kit that looks like um, the Saudi Arabian colours, for example. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's despicable until it happens to your club. Exactly. But 
I think if you're looking at it objectively and from a from a purely moral perspective, no, is the answer. I wouldn't want to see a, a Saudi ribbon. I think there's so many things that Greek football could do for itself before needing a massive cash injection to improve infrastructure for one. The, the national team don't have their, their own training base, um, which which is is ridiculous for a country of Greeks uh, of Greece's size. I, I, like I've been to St George's Park um, in in the north of England, looking at their kind of the where where our England players train every every year, um, and it, it, it's like. It, it's a completely different level to anything you see in Greece, um, like four or five times more luxurious than any of the train, even like um, Olympiakos training centers. Um, and that is just one thing you can do to improve the state of football in Greece. Um, uh, introducing a, a, a what's it called a quota for having Greek players in your squad, meaning that there would be a premium on Greek players if you were to sell them on to other clubs. And you can say to other clubs, if they're looking to buy Constantelius, for example, you can say to them, oh, well, we'd, we'd love to, but we need this Greek player in our squad to, to make the quota. Then you bump up the price by 10 million. So there are so many things to be done in, in Greek football before you get to, oh, we just need a shed load of money, you know? Yeah, and look, uh, I, I wish we wish that um, uh, the Greek Football Federation had your kind of thinking, Alec, because that's what should happen. But it probably wouldn't. And if I'm honest, the more likely outcome of the two is that they would take the Saudi money every day. And mm. you know, bigger teams, bigger people have done that. Um, so now we move on to um, at um, Edinson five five two seven eight three two five. Okay. Um, will you talk about other Greeks performing uh, in other leagues like uh, Bavlidis? And uh, when the time comes, are you going to talk about the Greek national team? So firstly, we'll do, do the national team. So the ethnic gear will be playing in September. We will be talking about them then, um, especially once the call-ups happen. Um, so yes, we will be talking about the ethnic gear um, soonish. Not not very soon, but in a, in a few weeks we will be. Um, and Bavli, this is something I actually saved because of the, this question. And someone else actually asked about Bavli this as well. Because um, So Yanis.k uh, on Instagram also asked, could you touch on Bavli this transfer saga? So we'll talk about Bavli this in general. So he scored on the weekend and assisted. So great start of the season already for Azad Alkmaar. And he has been linked with a whole host of clubs, but he hasn't moved yet. And it's mid-August. So... Some people have some people. I remember I've sp spoken about this with the other Hellas football guys on the podcast and off. That some people are mixed. There's the sentiment that he, like with me, I th I think he should make the step. Not maybe. Well, he he could make the step up now, but he doesn't necessarily have to. And some people are very staunch and like, no, 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 he has to stay as an Alkmaar so to have another good season, and then we'll talk. And I'm probably closer to that sentiment too, despite the fact he's been linked with clubs from the Bundesliga from Syria. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I was just looking at the clubs he's been he's been linked with: Roma, um, Lens in in France, Aston Villa as well. Yes, yes, he was. Um, I think that might be a step just too far. I really rate him, by the way. I think he he should be the the starting centre forward for for Greece. Um, in a close battle with Yakumakis, I think. 
Um, but I think, yeah, especially Aston Villa, a, a club who have already got two very competent centre forwards. I, I think it's a it's a massive mistake for a, a Greek player to go somewhere where he isn't guaranteed a, a starting position or he isn't thought of as the priority um, in, in whatever position they are. You look at Solis at, at Norwich. He could have been playing first team football for three years by now for Park if he just stayed. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think this guy... Like I said, the, the the step up to the Premier League is is probably a step too far. But uh, I was just about to say the sky is the limit because I think he's he's got everything really that that you want in a centre forward. He works hard. He's got obviously a very good eye for goal. Well, I think he was the was he the um, Eredivisie top scorer last yes, season. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not even for a club that um, uh, that were challenging for the title. I don't believe. Um, no, they were challenging for the European places, and they did well in the Conference League, but they weren't really pushing for the title that season. I would like to see him in, in European football. But are AZ Alkmaar in Conference League? Are they? Are they? Did I they get believe the so. Yes, I think they. I think they finished in the. Let me check where they finished. They they finished okay. They finished fourth. So yeah, they would be in the Euro- European qualifying places. They are in the. Let me just quickly check. Um, they are so Azad Alkama are in the. So they're actually in the third qualifying round. So they are mm. in the Conference League. So they are playing right now. Santa Coloma. They um, they beat one nil last Thursday. Okay, so they are currently competing to get back into Europe again. Mm-hmm. Um, so they haven't qualified for the group stage properly. Yeah, I think I think for now he stays put in, uh, overall, but he could definitely get a move an, another move elsewhere. It's a shame that he couldn't get a move up to like Ajax because they've just signed Chuba Akpong, uh, but apparently, yeah. but he had an amazing season in the championship, so I can also see why they signed it. But it would have been nice for like Ajax to have plucked a player domestically and put him in there because it would have been amazing to see a Greek player at, at Ajax. I, I can see him at Roma and, and Lons, though, as well. I mean, if you look at the, the coefficient of um, Liga and the Eredivisie right now, it's the Eredivisie who's who's winning the race at the moment for the fifth yes, um, spot. So I, I think moving to, to to Roma or Lons wouldn't be, you know, a, a ridiculous move for him. He also turns 25 in November as well. So you've got to imagine he's got probably seven years max at, at the top level and he'll want to be getting the most out of his career, winning the most trophies. Um, he's obviously going to score a bunch of goals, I think, wherever he goes. So um, it, I think either this summer or next summer would be the right move for him. I just hope it's the right place, really. Um, yeah. I just hope it's not like um, Tsimikas moving to Liverpool. As much as I love him, I'm, as much as I, I I think he's performed super well when when he has played for us, I think for him personally, I would have loved to have seen him play, be the starting left-back, let's say, for, I don't know, even someone like um, uh, Brighton. Um, mm. I think he could do a super good job um, in, in a place like that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I, my sentiments are the same with Timikas. After years of trying to convince myself that, yes, he can definitely be a squad player at Liverpool. And I'm like, no, he, he needs to probably get a move elsewhere. Um, but I guess the last question we have is also from, um, let me just bring it up quickly. It's also from um, Yanis Gay. And this is, a, well, we've kind of touched on this already very early on, but he asks, um, uh, what are your thoughts on, footballing ultras and hooligan culture and i think without going too much without going into obviously the events of last week i think in general i i'm a fan of the ultra culture in europe i love 
ultras because they do make the atmosphere in the game when they are proper fans of those teams and you have an end of your stadium that is 90 minutes screaming, shouting, singing for your team and creating an atmosphere. That's where ultra culture is healthy. And there is a healthy ultra culture that could come out of Greek football because Greece has some of the best ultras in Europe. And, and I'll always stand by that, even when it's at its very worst. But then there is the other side of it where Greek ultras are also some of the worst in Europe because of things like what we witnessed, saw on Monday where people have actually died because of these ultimately meaningless football matches. Um, and so I don't agree with hooliganism culture, um, but I would say I agree mostly with ultra culture. And I wish that there was more of an ultra scene in the UK, because I do think that without it going back to the 70s and 80s, where there was severely bad fan violence in the UK, uh, um, I wish that there was a more of a kind of end of each kind of English, especially Premier League, like uh, clubs where they all had their own little space where fans could scream and shout. Mm, it's only really Crystal Palace, I think, that have that. Um, well, I guess Liverpool with the cop as well. True, but I, I don't think it's as... I mean, I, I've been to some Greek football matches and I've been just staggered by, by the, the number of flares, the number of banners and, and, and flags and things. Um, and, and just the singing for 90 minutes. What was really surprising if you go to a Greek football match is you think they're loud at one point and then... Uh, they can flick it like a switch and just turn up the crank up the volume by by like tenfold um uh and i love it i love seeing um just the the the, the pyro shows and the fans going crazy but there's I, I don't know if you can separate it from from the violence i, I don't know if it's possible um because it, if you look at england for example we we've more or less, I mean, give or take some um, uh, England fans at, at Wembley in 2020, um, we've more or less uh, got rid of, of violence in, in football. I think in the lower leagues, it might be a bit more prevalent. But the the reason that there's no violence in, in England is because it's too expensive. It's far too expensive. Yeah, to, they've priced to people out of the game in England. Exactly. So, I mean, and, and also now, if you want to, to go and see a Premier League game, you need to have your your name with your ticket. It's electronic now. If you go and see, I mean, there was such uh, trouble at Arsenal because they brought in this new electronic system. Yeah. Um, so you are connected with your seat and there are 30 cameras watching every match. They will find you if you do anything stupid. Um, there's CCTV all outside stadiums. Um, and and so anybody who is a troublemaker is 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 banned either for life or for um, a, enough time that they they think okay maybe I won't do that next time. In I don't know Greece and but it's not just Greece. It's not just a problem in Greece. It's a problem all over Europe. You look at France every year having um, riots and and fan protests and 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 fights in the street and Croatia obviously as we know um, in the Balkans everywhere everywhere in Europe in Spain. Um, I think it's only really England that, that that don't have it. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, and I think it's I think there's that there's always that caveat, isn't it? Like they've priced out maybe more troublesome people, but then you're also pricing out everyday fans from going to games in England. And I think whereas you see the opposite in Greece, like I was looking at season tickets for Olympiagos, for example, and the ultras the gate seven is cheaper than any other seat because they want the ultras to go yeah. come and, and make the atmosphere good. And that's great. But then you're also encouraging people who aren't there just for the football or for or for the football at all. They're there to just beat people up and and cause trouble. And that's where you have to try and draw the line of do you want this 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 reputation of having some of the best fans in the world or do you want to have the reputation of 
having potential like potentially dangerous um uh, fans and people who could cause harm to like even families and ch and children who go to those games and that makes it not a, a hospitable environment for everyone so you're it's it's like you either make it a hospitable environment for the people who can afford it or you make it an unhospitable environment for uh for everyone as well so it's like you can't win but yeah i, th I think for me i'm i'm an ultras supporter but to an extent for me mm. um, my, my last word on it i think is i talked to an aek fan who um when i was in athens doing a, an article for 442 and he told me that his dad used to go to matches and you used to be able to as an away fan um stand in the home end um amongst the other supporters and it wasn't an issue it only became an issue in the 1990s where um, the the police and the security used to like lead you like cattle along to the stadium and then keep you in these fenced off areas. If they treat you, if if the police and um, the the security um, personnel in the stadium treat you like a threat, then you're going to act like a threat. Um, and I think that that has a lot to do with it as well, because in, in, in England, we don't have that. You, you aren't really treated as um, uh, like something to be afraid of or these these rabid wild animals who are coming here to to beat people up and, and just looking for a fight. But if you're treated like that, then then that's like, what do you expect? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's it's a failure on, on all sides. But I, I yeah, I mean, condolences to, to Michalis. That should never happen. It should never happen. And if you're bringing a knife to a to a football match, then you're a coward. Yep, well said. And uh, on that note, we're going to end it here. So thank you very much for everyone for listening. It's been a big bumper episode of the Hellas Football Podcast. The Super League is about to start. So everyone, uh, best of luck for that, <laughs> um, whoever you support. And please leave a five-star review on all uh, podcast platforms that you find us on, whether that be Spotify, Apple Music, or anything that you listen to a podcast on, because we're more or less on everything. Um, and please follow us all on social media as well. You know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter um, and threads, even though we don't really post on threads. And yeah, thank you so much, Alec, for joining. Alec, where can people find you if they want to find your work or just, you know, see your social medias in general? Absolutely. So um, I, I'm on Twitter um, uh, at a underscore Macquarie, M-C-Q-U-A-R-R-I-E. Um, that's probably the only place you can find me, I think. Um, mainly posting about Greek football, sometimes about Liverpool, um, sometimes my own work, that sort of thing. Uh, but no, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah, thank you so much again for coming on, Alec. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll catch you guys probably next week when the Super League starts and we'll all talk about the first games of the new season and also which Greek teams got into, stayed in Europe and which teams are no longer there. So all the best and thank you very much.